Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Creative Diaries. I'm Kira Callagher. And I'm Basil Heidenbentz. How are you today? I'm very well, yeah. How about you? I'm pretty good, yeah. Good. I'm excited to have you here. Excited to be here. So how did you get into acting? I'll just go straight in there. The yeah. big one. Very straight blunt. <laughs> when did you realise you were a creative person? Was there a moment in I your always, childhood? I always thought it was, it kicked in when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Although, no. No, I always thought it, it was much later. I thought around 14, 15 when I sort of started actively looking for jobs as an actor. But then, I don't know if you remember those, but we used to have those little friendship books where everyone has one and you put like a photo in and you put your favourite colour and your favourite food and everything and what yeah. you want to be one day. And my best friend from Switzerland found one from when we were about nine or ten years old and it said in there that I wanted to be an actor. And I have no memory of that, and I don't remember wanting to be an actor back then, but it seems to, it seems to go back quite a bit. Oh, that's cool. And then, uh, yeah, when I was about 14, 15, I decided to look for work. I grew up in Switzerland. The industry is extremely limited there. There are two, three casting directors. And through a friend, I did an audition for something when I was 12, and I didn't get that, and I didn't know how things worked, and I didn't know what acting was, and I didn't know anything really but I still had that contact of that casting director and then years later I got in touch with her and said I don't know if you remember me but um I have um I did an audition for you years ago and she went no 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 yeah and I've actually got something for you and I went in for an audition and booked it wow and uh that was my first film and how old were you 15 16 and something like that are either of your parents creative um both very creative one of them professionally my mother's a, a midwife and my Dad is a musician. Yeah, he's done all sorts. He He's an organ player and um, wrote for various musical newspapers, wrote reviews for concerts and things. And he now works for the Academy of Music as well. But it was never, they never had much to do with film or theatre. It was just always a world that was really close to what they did, but never... So what was the reception like when you said you wanted to get into acting and audition? I think they were quite... Happy? I wouldn't say happy. I don't. I don't think they had a problem with it at all. The problem came <laughs> when I decided to quit school in order to act because I straight after that first film, I did an audition for a TV series um, in Switzerland, which required me to film was it three months in Amsterdam. And the school I was at at the time said, "There's no way. Look, you're either going to finish school here or you're going to do your acting thing." And so I thought, all right, fine, I'm going to go do my acting thing because apart from a piece of paper where it says that I did my couple of years here, there's not much you can teach me that I can't learn any time from now on. Yeah. And an experience like that, you know, going out and filming 50 episodes of a TV series, that was an experience that this school or anybody couldn't really offer so I decided to go with that and that was a bigger problem for my parents they felt I should you know be sensible yeah (laughs) and they thought I would close it would close a lot of doors for me which of course it did 
I can't, you know, whip up a um, medical degree if I feel like it. It also, in a strange way, kind of focused me. We went to the same drama school, and in those, I, I, when did I finish? About six, seven years ago. And during that time, so many people who were very good actors just sort of stopped acting because they had a plan B and a plan C, and they thought, ah, oh, maybe I'll do some PR, maybe I'll... Yeah, study business, and you know, in case this acting thing doesn't work, I never really had those options because I cut myself. I shut those doors for myself. Yeah. So it kind of focused me because it's it's either this or nothing. But I've always felt that the industry is broad enough to do something. You can always try and write something. You can always try and get into directing. You can always do stand up comedy. You can. Yeah. I mean, I can't. You can. You can do. Theatre, if, you know, worst comes to worst, you can survive on commercials to some extent. And uh, I felt like, yeah, there's enough there that I'm interested in to not need a plan B. Yeah, what do you think it was about this first experience in film that made you decide, oh, I want to do this permanently? Did you learn quite a lot from it or was it, did you meet someone? From the first film, you mean? Yeah. Not really, no. It's tricky because it was quite for Switzerland. It was a relatively big film. So it was... fell in love with the atmosphere on set and the relationships you have with other actors and with the crew and and just life on set was completely intoxicating. But I also I also feel like I always that until that point I always sort of fantasized about the idea of being an actor, but never really seriously considered it. And then I got that film and I it must have been a subconscious thing that I sort of thought, oh well maybe people do actually want to cast me in something and actually want to see me do this. And then it became more of a reality. Yeah, I don't know if I learned an awful lot on yeah. that first job. I think I got really horribly smug and arrogant afterwards because I thought I knew how film works. Like, I now understand film. It wasn't the case at all. Like it was. Yeah. Did you a, have a, many... te- a teenager being a spoiled brat on a film set for, <laughs> for a couple of weeks. That's, that's what it was, in truth. Did you have any backlash? Because with, with positive comments often come negative. So if you were in a film, I was wondering... Did life change for you if it was relatively big in Switzerland? No. No, and I've never actually thought about this. But but no, as in backlash, you mean bad reviews or... Yeah, or, or just people, honestly. <laughs> no, not really. That was never a problem. Also, I wasn't, I wasn't the lead in it. Okay. I had nothing to do with the idea of the film. Didn't produce it, didn't direct it. It was, I was, you know, I played the son in a family drama. So with that, you don't, I don't think you get a lot of backlash. I'd hope not anyway. Not in Switzerland. But why did you decide to move to London over staying in Switzerland? I wanted, I wouldn't have stayed in Switzerland anyway because it's, it's just too small. And the industry really, it's, I didn't feel like there were enough options there. It wasn't exciting enough to, to stay in Switzerland. But then often the, obvious thing for Swiss actors to do is to go to Germany, go to Berlin, study there, try and get yourself into a TV series. But I wasn't really interested in the German market at the time. I felt like there's this one brilliant film coming out every couple of years, but it wasn't, especially TV then, the jobs that I felt I could get my hands on weren't the kind of jobs that I wanted to do. And because I went to an English school, I spoke English relatively well. He says stumbling over, <laughs> over the word, and um, you sound very posh. I have to say, really, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's a child's though. Um, oh, probably acting coach. Yeah. Anyway, he's the person this story's about because <laughs> I had already sort of I wouldn't say established myself, but I knew the people in the industry in Switzerland because there are only like seven of them, and then there was a big 
Beckfest, they call it, which is the party in the middle of the film, like straight at the, the, when you're halfway there, the mountain party. And it was on a rooftop, and I was there with a friend, and there were a couple of other people there, and Charles was there, Charles Foreman. And I'd heard of him through another actor who was in that first film that I did. And we sort of started talking, and and my English was in a relatively good place at the time because of school. And he said, why don't you come to London and audition for my studio? And I didn't really have any other plans, so I thought, yeah, might as well. I always felt that I'd prefer London, because I love the films coming from the UK, and I felt like it's a lot more competitive, which is important, I feel, in the arts especially, because it, yeah, it pushes people. You don't, you don't just have to have an idea. You have to have the very best idea to even get it close to getting made. I feel like in lots of smaller industries, people are quite happy with a good idea. And in London, there are thousands and thousands of good ideas, but it's the very, very good ones that actually get made. Does that make sense? No, it does. And, I get and, what you mean. Yeah, and um, competition pushes you. Yeah. In Ireland, it's always the same type of film that does well, or the same type of series. Yeah. It's really good series, Love, Hate, and then a bunch of things before and after. So if you see Irish self-tapes, often have kind of like an EastEnders scene kind of a thing where they're right. screaming at someone because that's what the market that, That's what for. works. That's, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's most of the stuff a similar problem that isn't the case anymore now, but it was back then, I felt, in Germany. And uh, yeah, that's the reason I didn't I didn't want to go there. And then I came here with intent, you know, I wanted to study here and then I did my diploma and then... Wait, did you audition for more schools than Giles Foreman or did you, or just no, him? No, it was, it was pretty clear I wanted to go to him. Wow. I sort of considered, no, I considered a couple of other schools, but it was, as you know, it was the last year, second to last year, where Christopher Fettis still taught at Giles's. And he was that acting guru that um, I was desperate to train with. Yeah. And he was there, and I wouldn't have had him at any other school. And did a, just excellent timing. Everything fell into place during those two years. And Did you enjoy the course? <laughs> See, people always ask me that. And Giles asked me the other day. And um, no, I did not. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. But I would do it again in a heartbeat. Like It's everything I know about acting, the way I approach a script, the way I read a text, um, everything, basically, I know through that course. And everything developed from that, from, yeah, from, from that year. But I wouldn't say it was a very pleasant experience. It was very, very formative, but it was very exhausting and psychologically draining. Did you have periods in the course where you dealt with self-doubt and wondering if you should be an actor? Or did you drive from the competitive energy that is at the studio? Not, I didn't have time to think that during my time there. I don't think, I wasn't really... I haven't really thought about that, but I, do, I don't think I doubted myself when I was at the studio. Doubt came immediately afterwards, like the first day after I got my diploma. It was, well, what now? Because when you're, when you're doing your final play there, you're rehearsing 10, 11, 12, 13 hours a day, depending on how big your part is, and every day and weekends, and you don't sleep and you don't eat and drink, you're just working. And then all of a sudden they uh, hand you a diploma and say, all right, there you go. Um, enjoy being an actor. And suddenly you've got nothing to do. And did you get an agent in the showcase? I did not, no. Okay. No. How long did it take you to get an agent? About half a year. Okay. Yeah. Maybe even more. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, it was it was quite a difficult time, and I was horribly depressed immediately afterwards. And it took yeah, it took a while to sort of gather myself and and go out there and find an agent. And but again, it felt really slow and heavy that period when nothing was happening. But then once I decided that now it's time, I need an agent, so I have to go out there and I have to um, write 150 emails to every agency in London. And then that came um, really easily. That wasn't a problem at all. I always feel like there's... It's a horrible feeling to know that you really should do something. But by the time that the, the time's right, it's, it's really easy and effortless once you start doing it. Yeah. But it's impossible to bring yourself to do it before that. But didn't you have no hair for the showcase? Have yeah. imagined that? No, I did that. Yeah, that was stupid. God, I did a... That was in the... No, that was in the second term that we did a, a Greek tragedy in which I played Tiresias, which is a 250-year-old oracle, a blind one, that was a woman for seven years. I think the story is that he found two mating snakes and separated them. So the gods turned him into a woman for seven years. And because he had then experienced both sides <laughs> of humanity. What a, what what a, a punishment, punishment, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then turn him back again. But because he'd now experienced both sides, he they sort of forced him to be their oracle. Charles, of course, wanted to keep those seven years somehow in there. So he was also transvestite oracle, a 250-year-old. And I didn't know what to do with that. But I thought if ever there's a moment to like, shave your head, it's now. So I completely shaved my head bald and I had this corset and really tall boots and, and shaved my head and covered my face in glue and then moved it around so it looks like the skin's peeling off. It looked really quite horrible, but I enjoyed that a lot until I realised that I, I had no idea, because I have barely any facial hair, so I didn't have a lot of experience with shaving and immediately got a rash, of course, after the first time on my head oh did you shave your own head yeah oh this is one thing they were saying like the other night never shave your own head oh really because it grows back in different are we experienced in shaving your head no oh. why who said who said one sh i mean i now know to not ever do that again but <laughs> no that wasn't even i just got a bit of a rash but then we had a week and a half more to go so i had to keep shaving it by the end of the first week i had blood dripping down my, oh my forehead God. because yeah so i'm not doing that again it's all grown back now which I'm quite pleased about. But yes, I don't know if I... I definitely had short hair for the showcase. Yeah. Why do you think that's the reason I didn't get an agent? I mean, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what they're looking for. <laughs> a nice head of hair. A nice head of hair. So how long has it been since you left the studio? What year is this? <laughs> 2019, seven years. Seven years. So, oh no, six since I left. Do you feel like you made the right decision moving to London and going down this route? I think so. And how do you feel your career has progressed the last six years? On and off. It's really hard to say because sometimes things flow and then there's a complete drought and nothing happens. Yeah, no, I don't know how it's progressed. It's sort of grown. Are you, you, are you still with the same agent? Yeah. Okay. I've taken on other agents. Now I have a manager in LA and an agent in Germany as of two months ago. Cool. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. It's It's grown in that sense more people have sort of joined a team and you you know more directors and producers and you have like a bit more of a foot in the industry and you are more part of it that doesn't really mean you work more though or that the size of the jobs increases it's it's all it depends entirely on the demand and have you found that getting projects here has affected your life my question earlier about did the film change your life or you know now you've been in victoria uh -huh. 
The other one, the favourite. The favourite. All things to do with queens. Yeah. Over Mona, have you had any backlash or support coming your way? Has your what? life changed? <laughs> not really. No, <laughs> no. no, not in the slightest. Also, it's all very spread out, that's the thing. You work from London, of course, but the only things I've ever done here are a film called Another Mother's Son, which was ages ago, Denial, Victoria and the Favourite. Yeah. Those were the only things that were actually shot in London and sort of made for England, except for the favourite that, of course, was made for everywhere. All the other things are sort of... I just did a film now in Bulgaria, for Bulgaria. Oh, Ramona was in Romania. Um, X Company was shot in Hungary, but for Canada... So it's cast out of London, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the people in London are going to see it, or that your life changes in any way, or that it's going to be shot here, or... Like the industry has become so international that a lot of things are shot in Eastern Europe mainly. There's yeah. a lot of big studios in Budapest in Hungary. Can you tell me a bit about your process? So you get a script. How do you approach the character? That depends very much on the project. Often you have to adapt to... It's hard to say. If If it's a film, I just try to read it again and again and again. And I try my best to not memorise the lines. So I just read the script from start to finish and then back to one from start to finish and just keep doing that every day until you start filming. And often, unless I have big monologues in a day or really, really long scenes, but often I try to just learn the lines the, the evening before or even that morning because I know exactly where I am. I know, I know exactly where I'm going because I've read the script 20 times. But the lines themselves, I don't really want too embedded in my head days before filming them. It's different for everyone, of course. I wouldn't recommend this necessarily to a lot of people. But because I grew up in a very musical household, I always tend to fall into a certain rhythm and and um, tone of saying a line. And once I feel myself getting stuck in that, it's really frustrating. It completely blocks me up. So I try to not, yeah, not memorize the lines until the day. Hmm. Um, very different on a TV series because they're often you don't get the whole season you get you, you shoot it in blocks so depending on how many, how many episodes you're doing if you're doing 10 often you, you have two episodes a block so you shoot the whole thing in five blocks and first of all you you only ever get the script for the two blocks un, unless you uh, for the two episodes per block unless you're a lead in which case the showrunners will brief you on it where your character's going and what you're going to be doing all season but if you only have those two episodes and then you keep getting rewrites that was a big frustration when i came out of Giles's, who teaches that you should read the script again and again and again and again and prepare as much as you can and write down all your activities and your objectives and one of, you, one of your previous circumstances and all that stuff. And then I don't remember what it was. I think it may have been X Company where I went in and I did all that and um, did all the work. And then the night before, I got rewrites for two scenes that we were meant to film that day, which changed my character for the entire season. Like, all of a sudden, none of that was useful. And I got a really good piece of advice from the director on that because he he saw I was struggling and he came up to me and said, something's blocking you, like something, what's, what's wrong? And I told him, look, I, I don't know, I've just studied and trained as an actor and I'm, I've done all the work that they taught me and now suddenly everything's changed and I don't know how to adapt to that, I don't know how to use that. And he said, but then it's completely worthless. And he didn't mean that the training was a waste of time, he said, then wing it, you know. 
Because first of all, we didn't cast you because you trained at that school. We cast you because we felt you could do it. And he said, you really think that the, the, the DOP is doing what they taught him in film school? Absolutely not. You do your best and you try to wing it and it'll be good enough. I've always highly valued the training I got here in London, but I then had to learn how to ignore that when it wasn't helpful and yeah. completely dismiss it. Say, okay, then that year never happened. I have to find another way of um, making the scene interesting and telling the story in some way. Are there people or films then that have really influenced you? Directors you've worked with, actors you've worked with, who has inspired you in your career? Or films you've seen? Should go one by one. <laughs> what films have influenced you? It's weird because they, they've influenced me in different ways. My parents were not big fans of me watching TV, but they said you can watch any film you like, like regardless of age restrictions even. like We have loads of VHS okay. uh, films. And, and I remember I was 10 years old or something when I started watching all of those. And we had the whole Chaplin collection, of course, which is to my... To, until today, one of my absolute favourite films is The Kid by Chaplin. I think maybe because it was one of the first films I ever saw, maybe because I remember saying to my dad that I want to I wanna like, I wanna know this guy, I want to know these people in the film. And he went, well, that's not very possible, but if you want to get close to that, you're going to have to, you know, make films and become yeah. an actor. And I remember sort of thinking, oh, okay then, fine. The seed <laughs> I'll, was planted. I'll, I'll do that. Point being that... It was um, all those cassettes that we had lying around that I would watch, and they were completely random. One was The Name of the Rose, which is why I said about age restriction, because that's a pretty heavy film. I think they've now turned it into a TV series as well. But it's the, the film with Sean Connery, and it's uh, it's pretty brutal, and I was pretty young when I watched that. And we, Shakti, we had um, loads of, and Dr. Zhivago, and... Films like that, which I didn't really understand at the time because I was too young. They've now sort of really left a mark and they've become... I've since rewatched them many times. They've sort of influenced me as the very my very first couple of memories of, of cinema. After that, yeah, I don't know what films have influenced me. Most of them, in one way or another, whenever you see a film, it does something to you. I can't really... No, I agree, because even looking at films, I kind of think of roles like oh i would love to do that role i'm going to stay away from that character you know in the future kind yeah. of a thing is there anything you stay away from character wise not really no i don't feel like there's a character i wouldn't play if the script is really good okay yeah sort of depending on no no because if the story's good i'd play anyone really like you would play hmm i don't know hmm. maybe i'm thinking of my own experiences because i w personally would be like oh would i stay away from the stereotypes because oftentimes there's I, like I've gotten good things, but they'll be quite offensive to the Irish community or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. Like, oh, I, you never know whether to do it or not because although. But then it always depends. But but if they're offensive to the Irish community, then the script isn't good. Yeah. Right. But do, have you read so good I've scripts? So I've had I've had that because I've played now two Nazis in a film in a TV series just because that's what you get if you um you know tall and blonde and you speak German in London. You're going to audition for a lot of a lot of Nazis, um, so I wouldn't do that again. Yeah, but then again, you know, if, if it's Tarantino, it's really well if Tarantino <laughs> calls with Inglorious Bastards, of course I'll play another Nazi. Yeah, but it has to be something like that, and I really get that. I don't. Have you seen Snakes on a Plane? I haven't. You haven't, which is shocking. I know. Yeah, it's a uh, famously <laughs> brilliant, and uh, people keep for some reason making fun of um, Samuel E. Jackson for it, but he says I. I, I 
I make absolutely no um, apologies for that film. I love doing it. I had a time of my life and it was a brilliant experience to make that film. And I felt that with certain projects when, yeah, it was maybe not everything quite the way it was supposed to be. Hmm. But the people I came across on that job, the actors I got to work with, the crew I got to get to know, was really, really wonderful. And it was a brilliant experience as a, as work, even if as a piece of work it wasn't necessarily as brilliant. But yeah. Do you know what I mean? Am I making sense? You I are. Like sort of no, you're making perfect bit. sense, okay. don't worry. Because <laughs> that's what, that was kind of my other question anyway. What directors, actors have you worked with or that you've kind of seen as a mentor. Like earlier when we were talking about Giles, I was actually thinking, I lived in Luxembourg when I met Giles at GFCA Luxembourg. And uh, I said that I wanted to move to New York and I was going to become an actress and stuff. And he was like, come and audition for my school, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he completely changed my whole life path. Yeah. So I would see him as a mentor, kind of. Yeah. But have there been any since the studio or before the studio that you thought this person has really helped me in my career? Helped me in my career? Yeah. Not really, and I don't. I don't know if Giles has, what helped me in my in my professional career anyway. Of course, he helped me greatly to become the person that can sort of build a career in that industry. But sort of not. I don't think he had direct, precise influence on my work. Beyond that, I don't know. I think it would be yeah. If anyone, it would be Giles, just because I really trust his judgment. So if I have questions about. A character or a script or or if I yeah need to sit down and go over a text with someone, it would always be Giles because he just, you know, yeah. knows his shit. It's just, it's true. It's true. It's true. What's next for you? Where would you like to be this time next year? <laughs> Here. Okay. <laughs> Let's do this every year. A catch year. up. Yeah. Like an annual catch up. would be lovely. Where would I like to be in a year? I don't really know. It's hard, hard to say. Working yeah. on something, ideally. Do you have a dream character? I don't, because people, I people ask that a lot, and I never really know what to say because I feel like you don't, you don't want to go for a character that's already been played brilliantly. Because a lot of you know, sort of first year drama students are gonna say Tyler Durden in Fight Club or Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs, which is just, it's already been done, and you're never gonna be as good as as they were in it. So why would you? Why is that a, a character you'd sort of want to replicate? So you. you Meaning, you would want something new, but if you wanted something new, then I feel like if I read it, I would know that that's the character I want to play. Of course, I don't know what that is now, because if I did, I'd write it, but I'm not a writer, so I'm not. Okay. I, 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 I don't know, I don't know. No, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of, I have faith that when I read it, I'll, I'll know it. You get right. that sometimes, too. Yeah. Sometimes although... more than other times, but you read something and you feel like, yeah, this, uh, this is a cool character, I can do something with this. Mm. And then maybe one day you'll read something and say, this is absolutely it, this is the thing. Well, that's interesting. I always had like at least like a little cringy one of what I always want to play a superhero. What kind of superhero? What would be your, your superhero power? Oh, God. What would I do? I think I'd read minds. Do you Ooh. know what I... Yeah, I'd like to do something that already has something to do with You're going to have to shave your head if you, you know, want to take but over the X-Men. That's fine with me. That's fine. <laughs> Just don't do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. What advice would you give to aspiring actors? Same advice I'd give to any actors. If you, if you really want to be an actor, just stay with it and keep doing it. Keep reading plays. Keep t taking any job that interests you. Yeah, even if it doesn't take off, I feel like if you get frustrated with that, you might not be doing it for the right reasons. 
but yeah. I don't know all that many actors in their 50s who are just failed actors who kept doing it and failed as that. Usually, if, if you have someone in their 50s or older and they consider themselves failed actors, it's because they at some point took a different path, because they had a plan B, because they decided to do something else because it wasn't working for too long and they lost their their passion for it. But I feel like if you just stick with it, and if you have the energy to stick with it, sooner or later something will come along. Christoph Waltz, prime example. I mean, he was always working consistently. He did loads and loads of, of things in Austria and Germany. But it took him, yeah, what, 25 years in the industry to get his role of a lifetime. Yeah, and what you were saying earlier was really helpful as well. Because I was... When I left drama school, I thought that there was like a right and wrong way to go about things, like right way to contact people, wrong way. You right. don't want to make a negative impression. Like For example, this is when I was in Luxembourg, I was invited to Colonia, the movie premiere. Right. But I was invited as someone's date. So I said no, because I was like, everyone's going to think I'm like as if they'd remember me. Obviously, it was very naive because I was from Ireland and everyone knows everyone in Ireland. So I just thought there was a right way and wrong way to go about things. Yeah, but then also they wouldn't know how you are on the guest list. Maybe they're your date. Maybe That's true. People in the industry wouldn't know why you are there. Yeah. But it's, I feel like it's always good to be there. In answer to your, I don't know if it was a question, but the, um, I don't think there is a right. No, there are many wrong ways to go about it. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've helped a friend write emails for agents and... Um, there are things you can say that you shouldn't say if you are if you want an agent, but there are many many right ways of of doing it. And I mean, as anybody will tell you, you have to sort of and it sounds so corny, but you kind of have to just do your own thing and go your own way. There is not you can't replicate someone else's career. You know, you have to be in the right place, right time and hope for the best and tr stay, stay active, you know, watch lots of films and go to the theatre. And People, especially actors, feel lazy when they're watching films, but I feel like it's extremely important to like actively watch films. You know, don't go to the bathroom every five minutes and make popcorn <laughs> halfway through and check your phone all the time. So, yeah. But actively stay with it and try to work out as much as you can about a film and expand your knowledge. That can be extremely helpful. I did an audition in Germany a couple of weeks ago. Auditions there are very different. So they invite far fewer people. But the director's there and the casting director's there. And they cast in pairs, which means you always have like a scene partner. And there was a little stage and they had props. And you would play out the scene. Not like it is here where you're standing in front of a blank wall and they sort of read the lines with you and do it once or twice. But you stay there and I was there for an hour and a half working with the, with the director and he would run the scene again and again and see how we respond to each other, which is how they do things there. What's my point? Oh, my point is that I then did another audition in Germany and the actor who was meant to come in after me um, missed his plane. So I had to stick around to work with the, with the other actress because they were always cast in pairs. And in between I had like an hour where I could talk to the director and... We talked about films, and I was glad that I had watched so many films because you can sort of navigate the conversation, find out yeah. what they like and what they're interested in. And we got into a really yeah, passionate argument about film for 45 minutes until the actress came and bonded during wow. that Wow, I still would have blown that. Sorry? I would have blown that 100%. Well, it depends. Maybe it just, it just works if you happen to be interested in the same kind of films. But I feel like that you can't know too much. If you want to be an actor or director, or anything, you, you can't have seen too many films. You can't have read too many plays. 
do it actively. Like, try and study the film. Try and study the subtext and, and the, the camera work. I had sort of um, figured that out in a TV series I recently watched. I'm not going to say which one. But it was the first two episodes uh, were absolutely brilliant. And I loved them. And then the third one sort of dipped. And I wasn't sure why, because the acting was the same. And the scripts were just as good. The camera was roughly the same. And then I looked it up, but the series is by a very famous director. And the third episode was the first one that he didn't direct. Okay. It, I had to rewatch the first three episodes again and again. I think I rewatched them twice to sort of try and get a sense of what it is that makes him so much better. What it is, because it's not obvious. It's not the, the music is the same throughout the whole series. It's the same DP, I think. And the script isn't getting any worse. The story's not getting any worse. But there's something that is... Um, what was it? It's a couple of things. Um, it's extremely precise camera work, which keeps you in the frame the whole time. So every time the character moves, the camera moves with him. So most people who love film probably already know who I'm talking about. It's um, David Fincher. Okay. Who is, who is known for his eerily precise camera work. And, and the other thing is, which is almost consistent through the episode, he often cuts mid-motion which means you, you pass me something and as you were passing it, he would cut to the reverse shot, which of course means that you have to rehearse a lot with the actors because mm. um, continuity needs to be spot on throughout. But it's um, little things like that and certain camera angles, who he's showing a close-up of and how long he stays on the close-up while someone else is talking. and how It's, it's um, really subtle things and it's not... That other directors don't do that, but there's just something that's better, and it's and it makes all the difference. It makes it really easy to stick with it. And the third episode was just kind of, oh, it's not bad at all. It's still good, and I'll watch the fourth one, but it's sort of dragging a little bit. I still don't want to say which series I'm talking about because if the director that did the third episode hears this, he'll never work with me. <laughs> okay, sure. I'm so asking you after this is over. <laughs> I'll just post it alongside the podcast episode. <laughs> sure. By the way, the one he's talking about, and then tag the director. Could you imagine? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I won't come back next year then. (laughs) Um, Lastly, I wanted to ask where people can follow you if they want to keep up with what you're doing. Well, I am on Instagram. I don't post things very often, but uh, whenever I do, they're brilliant. (laughs) Right. Um, I need to have a look now. Sort of, yeah, people say that, you know, the number one best Instagram stories on the internet. And um, of unparalleled genius. No nonsense. I never, I never really post things. I'm really bad with it. I should, I should do better. I don't post an awful lot of things. But if people want to follow me, I'll maybe I'll post more. <laughs> and you know, if you want to know what I'm up to, work-wise, IMDb is always excellent. Yeah. All right. Thanks a million for coming in today. Well, thanks a million for having me. This was oh. fun. I'm okay. Maybe I will come back next. Yeah, year. you have if you to don't... come back now. 